Oh, hello there, fans of the 9to5 Entertainment System. You might notice that this podcast is different, and that's because Scott, John, and myself are all sitting at home in the comfort of our own isolation, uh, recording this episode remotely. But of course, we still talk about all of the best things. We actually try to avoid uh, as much COVID-19 talk as possible. It obviously creeps into the conversation. That's what everybody is talking about. But we do try to avoid it. But we do talk about uh, gaming conventions, comic book conventions. We talk, uh, they give, the boys give me the worst slash best movie ever. Uh, we talk about movies. We talk about all the crap that you love on INES. So uh, enjoy the show. So we're all in the comfort of our own homes, and 90s is still happening. We sure are, and it still is. Yep. Yep. I, I was trying to like think about like uh, topics of conversation for the remote 90s, and I was like, "There's the obvious one, which is the reason we're all still in our old homes." But I'm like, "But it's also I'm already kind of like, isn't that like tired?" I, that's what I was gonna. New- that's exactly how I <laughs> wanted to start this. Everybody's gonna be saturated to shit talking about that stuff, and who wants more of that? Ain't nobody. Um, Nobody. Nobody. Nobody wants. Like, is our hot I take going to be hot enough to to be of interest? Like, already by the time this will be posted, it will be three days past when we are recording this, and the situation may have changed dramatically. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Uh, and as we as we know, the situation that we're talking about is Monday night's snowstorm in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Right? That big is, fluffy uh, flakes. Yeah, big fluffy flakes that have <laughs> led to us being locked in our houses. Yep. That is that is why we're locked in our houses. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I think we can pretty much move past it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've already we talked about it on past episodes. I think every podcast and every pop culture thing in the whole wide world is talking about it. Yep. I mean, the only the only kind of take that I kind of did want to, I guess maybe check in with was was Scott, who is actually a medical professional. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, guys... actually, that is a hot take that's worth hearing. <laughs> exactly. What's it like, Scott? Do you guys know what nihilism is? I do. Do you, know, do you know how exciting nihilism is when your entire workplace is resolved around saving lives? It's a weird mix. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you that because nihilism has infected the MUHC in really? a way that is um, remarkable. So are, yeah. are people just like people are just like why bother? It's more like well. I wonder what's going to happen when we all get sick, because that's going to happen. Yeah, statistically. And, then, and even if we don't get sick, I wonder what's going to happen when my department gets shut down because someone gets sick, and then I have to go do something else. So I have friends that work in the operating rooms, and they've already been told, like, pediatric You're not surgery. allowed to get sick. Well, <laughs> no, they've been told that pediatric surgery will ramp down to traumas only. And you, as nurses and doctors, will be shifted over to, you know, work on the wards as we get overwhelmed with patients that come in, because mm-hmm. you all know how to put IVs in and take vitals. So get ready for when the only thing all of us can do is take care of the dying. Yeah, that's fun. Right? And then, I mean, I do, I then do. you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go get... Um, go get a soda. A soda, because it's my break. But good running into you. Yeah. And I've had that 
conversation or, or, or variants of that conversation like a dozen times with people who work everywhere in the hospital, barring like housekeeping and the kitchen and stuff. But well, on the plus side, you're not all going, hey, everything's going to be OK. Right. I mean, that's usually how it is at the hospital. Like, hey, you know, no matter what, at least we're fighting the good fight. And yeah. now it's kind of like, oh, get ready, because all, all we're going to be doing is is dealing with the apocalypse. Yeah. And like, but there's I a mean, lot of like memes and stuff that are, are like joking about the apocalypse. But we're like, no, this is going to be apocalyptic for our our our, our day to day work, and uh, that's pretty crazy. So stress eating. I mean, I've actually not been stress eating. I've been so anxious. I haven't, and that's weird for me. Um, my department's already shifted scheduling and and a bunch of my staff and coworkers into the laboratory. Mm -hmm. So like test centers have been winding down in terms of the, the work we have to do. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Have they but, thought about opening up barracks or something on site. Like, could you not keep personnel safer by just not leaving the hospital? No, John, that's where all the sick people go. No, I, okay, but, but if anybody's going to be able to, to do a proper quarantine, it's going to be like on the grounds. I don't know if yeah, it's like, like if a Everybody like scrubs in and scrubs out yeah. of the hospital. Every staff member has the, as much protection as possible. Like, you think that you could keep – I mean, that, I was listening. Did you guys watch that uh, – here we are talking about the thing. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> did, did you guys watch the, uh, the TED Talk that I sent in the email thread today? Did not. No time. Um, but yeah, so one of the things that they talked about, I can't quite remember, but it was like, she said Congo, but I don't think it was actually the Congo, but it might've been one of those central African countries where 11 or 12 doctors died of Ebola in the treatment of Ebola Ugh. and that the country only had 120 doctors or so. God like, damn, that's fucked up. Yeah, yep. exactly. So she's like, this, this is, there's, there's things that can happen and it can be so much worse. And if you're wondering why you're doing any of this, it's like keeping this out of Africa is part of it, you know, like, yeah, like there's, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of really, I think like interesting points. Like she also uh, mentioned that part of how, like the fact that this was found in China was actually, or that this, the outbreak started in China was, not the worst thing in the world because they do have advanced medicine and stuff. So it like, it doesn't outbreak into the entire country where there's no medical. They, they also have a culture that understands you got to react immediately and harshly to viruses. Right. Well, sure. Like they had SARS. Yeah. And, and they also like, like for all, like everybody laughed at them doing all this crazy lockdown stuff, but, but they responded appropriately and perhaps even insufficiently. You know, m many other countries choose to do have chosen to do much less, and right. the consequences yeah, I mean, are going to be felt worldwide for it. Yeah, and that that, that was also what the what the lady pointed out. She was like, leaders need to understand math better. Yeah, like how these spread and how it goes is it's just this is like these figures and these numbers are not surprising to any virologist or epidemiologist or whatever. This is how this happens. Like, mm -hmm. this is not some weird uh, like un like nobody thought of this scenario they were like we we have these tables that they exist <laughs> you know and they're like we told everybody this is going to happen china locked down 50 million people 
And we were like, maybe stay home. And then a bunch of people ignored it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the fact that multiple people have told me that their neighbors were like having parties and stuff. I was like, what is wrong with you? Well, what, that's what? over with now. I know because, and that, but, and that, that's, that's also part of the problem, right? Is I was like, oh, cool. So because we couldn't handle our own shit, like reasonable adults, you've literally brought in like a weird dystopian 1984 rule that people cannot be allowed to, groups of more than two, and you we'll know, and like each other. Yeah. Say that again. And, and we'll narc on each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, like, like a real situation that may very well be happening in Montreal tonight is someone like calling the cops because there's a gathering of more than two people in someone's house, and then the cops will show up and find those people. Like, and it makes sense in this current environment, but you're like, but that's a really messed up law, like taken out of a bubble. Like, why couldn't we have just stayed home like adults? Two weeks ago, people were refusing to put masks on their kids when I told them to. And that, and that's that's the people who spiked today, yep. right? Because it takes two weeks for it to come out, and it'll take two weeks for all the changes that we do now to have an effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's at the the Thanks. the time the the most um well and and again not a bait but a timeline but apparently the uh the approach is the numbers need to like flatline or like nearly flatline or stabilize for a period of two weeks and then two weeks after that potentially these measures can slow down. So it's like two weeks of flatline and then two extra weeks is the like air quote. Whenever that happens, it's like whenever we start seeing a flatline, it's a month after the flatline starts. Yeah. Is, so, but just, I mean, and like they said, like there's, that is, that's why everybody's saying like, it's, it's not a two or three week situation here, man. <laughs> like, all right. All right. That's enough of that. Um, if people want to listen to podcasts about, COVID-19. There's better people than us to talk to. Definitely. I mean, I feel there's better people than us to talk about almost everything that we talk about. That's Unless awesome. we're being self-indulgent and talking about ourselves, because then it's us. Exactly. We're no, experts I mean, in we ourselves. Are, we're geek experts. Yeah. And then I feel there's... there's, But the problem is, is we're not specialized yeah. like enough to be like say where they're like let's like nobody calls up us for like a, a soundbite about a particular geek thing they're like let's call this star wars guy or whatever it's not us i get texts from people i haven't spoken to for years just being like hey that comic book thing what's the answer and be like that like okay see you in 2022 yeah but the cbc isn't calling you for to be the comic book guy they I mean, should though they yeah, really CBC. should hey cbc right get your shit together Scott uh, has a podcast. He's well spoken. He's uh, photogenic. You know, like he looked good on a on one of those like when they do like hot stove panels or whatever, where they have like the guy in another location getting like grilled by the anchor. He could be the but, comic guy. Especially now as we're locked down, I can just like point the camera at me sitting in front of my bookcase. Mm-hmm. Look good. I look like an expert. And then you have to have that little the little kid walking in, being like, dur, 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 dur. "Remember that kid? He was yep. the best. That kid was the best." <laughs> Uh, so I guess I mean are are we just soaking up uh, heaps and heaps and heaps of pop culture? Is that what we've been doing? So I um, I'm, you know, I'm a Turbo fan of the old Dark Souls, and they released mm-hmm. a game last year that was the game of the year, Sekiro. Mm-hmm. And I played it for like ten minutes, and I was like, yeah, you know, it didn't really didn't really land. And then I just like didn't pick it up until about a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And I have been uh, obsessed with it since then. It is so much fun. I can't believe how what, what I missed by not getting over the little like 
figure it out hump, you know, that's at the start of all of these games. Mm-hmm. So Sekiro is the ultimate ninja fantasy. It's like Explain. when you imagine being a ninja, you're like, what do oh. I want to do? I'm Roll sorry, John. I thought you meant a different kind of ultimate ninja fantasy. Yeah. Where did Here. she hide the snake, Scott? Oh. Anyway, oh, wow. I was thinking that you're really different tall, place. Uh, Were we not talking about Ninja Scroll? I, I was thought I was I was talking about living in the sewers with my four brothers and rat sensei, but okay. Mm. I, I was talking about possibly drug dealing in South Africa with a very tall guy with grills. Not Yolandi? Because that's where I went if you were gonna go in that direction. <laughs> Keith well, I mean, was Yolandi in this fantasy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I want wow. the version of Fatty Boom Boom that has Keith uh, as Yolandi. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I have I, I painted a wall in my house green expressly to do green screen green screen stuff if it ever like tickled my fancy. And I mean, if we're isolated for a couple months, boys, it's time. It might be time to start my video editing skills, and and maybe this will this will happen. Yeah. Anyway, Sekiro is super awesome. It's like um, they took Dark Souls and they took out all of the the um, like RPG type of stuff. So there's just like way less XPs and items and whatever. They made it a little bit more like Zelda meets uh, Dark Souls. Okay. So the difficulty is like super super hard. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do all kinds of counterattacks and and the system for combat is really 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 intensely precise. Yeah. But um, but they took out everything multiplayer, so it's like a hundred percent single player experience, and then refined out the combat and the the big boss battles and the the systems just to make it as fun as possible. And then I'm pretty sure they went down a list of like what are all the awesomest things ninjas have done in animes, in TV, in whatever, and then just like let's make a level that lets you do that stuff. So there's like. The running around on rooftops, dueling with other ninjas, you know, jumping from rooftop to rooftop. There's the, like, swinging from tree to tree with grappling hooks and and fighting ghosts with no heads who float around. It's just, it's so much fun. So much fun. Do you have, like, a fight with a guy that happens at, like, a full sprint through a bamboo forest? That Okay, so, like, a bamboo thicket is, like, one of the, the opening levels. I don't know if you have, like, a boss in there that's, like, truly legendary, but if you think of, like, classic ninja moment, you're, like, standing on opposite sides of the room, they look at each other, ba-ba-ba, they run at each other, they jump through the air, ba-ting, you know, swords lock, and then they land on the other side, and one of the guys is dead. That totally happens. You can do, you do death blows in aerial attacks against each other. And the combat system is so good. You have um, every, I'm, I'm not going to spend too long on this, but like every, every character has two health bars, kind of. One of them is like your, your actual health, and the other one is like your posture. And then to actually kill anything, you have to do death blows, where you, you either beat down their health until they're vulnerable to a death blow, or you beat down their posture to where they're vulnerable to a death blow. And, like, you can get their posture down by successfully executing uh, counterattacks and reposts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can knock their vitality down to a certain point, and then their posture becomes much, much, much easier to take down. So you can kind of, like, approach an enemy by doing special attacks that target their health or approach an enemy the, the like, tactical way by doing counterattacks and working on their, their posture. Um, and then And then you always, like, the aim is always to get them weak enough to do a death blow. So... You kind of, I don't know, I'm not explaining this very well, but it's its just, it feels really good and it, and it's smart. And then the same monster, you know, as the fight progresses, because these systems all play with each other, you're kind of incentivized to change your tactics 
as the fight evolves. It makes the battles really, really dynamic. And then, of course, every time, like a big boss will, will have two or three death blows required to actually take him down. And then, like one of them, you're fighting this huge monkey in a jungle. He's like 20 feet tall. He flips all over the place. He flings poop at you. He's like, he's crazy. You get his first death blow down. And then, and then to get his death blow, you cut his head off and he falls down. And then he gets up and then the headless monkey has his head in one hand and then the head screams at you. And now he's like ghost flying monkey. And you gotta, you gotta fight him like that. I don't know. It's it's so, it's so crazy. And, and if dark, if you think like dark souls happens at a speed, everything in this happens at double that speed. It's so fast, so fast. I I mean, I started, I didn't really get into it. I've been, I've been dipping my toe into a bunch of games trying to, trying to get something like locked in i did uh like a couple hours into neo which yep. i'm told yep. is the like the other sekiro yeah i never hit that one but i heard the same thing yeah that's it it's a i mean it's def it's definitely like heavily 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 influenced by from yeah like, uh, you're in the opening kind of tutorial level you'll still die a gazillion times and have a boss that just like pummels you into death quickly yeah. and it's it's i think it's focused a little bit on a similar a similar type approach where it's all about like the combat where you have like different stances and different approaches and different attacks and like certain, but it's not RPG ish, right? Like it, it's, it's much more like almost like a fighting game. The like the, the precision element comes from like inputting the exact right inputs yeah. at all times, like in a much more combat heavy way and less of a, I don't know. I found the from games always sort of like rewarded, like kiting a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, and at least Neo seems to like, that doesn't seem like a really good tactic. Like it's, it's much better to like parry. Cause like even to like, to run away, uh, like even to like roll uses the same, uh, like meter that your special moves. Hmm. So you're, you're, you're like, either doing attacks or you're dodging. It's not. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's it. So we're, and, and parrying is more, uh, like energy efficient than a, than a roll. Yeah. So it really like encourages you to like stay in the fight and work on like your parrying skills and stuff than to just sort of like roll it in and like dance in and out, just stabbing the guy. So. Yeah. Well, I really, really recommend it. If you, if you do have it and it's been sitting there waiting, um, definitely like put the time in at least till you beat a boss or two and like, like get the feel of it. Mm-hmm. One uh, thing um, I'm just going to mention the, the, the leveling up system is one of the smartest things I've seen in one of these games in a long time. So there's like, if you kill a certain number of mini bosses, you're allowed to upgrade your health. Every time you kill a boss, you upgrade your damage. And then the little, you know, regular minions and levels that you can farm if you want to, you get XPs and use those XPs to unlock abilities. But like the damage on the abilities will all still be low if you haven't killed enough bosses. So you kind of can't farm your way out of a situation. You have to actually get good. Um, yeah, like you actually need to be able to drop bosses. You can't yeah, just yeah. like, yeah. That seems fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I also, I picked up, um, Witcher 3 and I played through, I guess, like the kind of tutorial level. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. Um, I think I, I, Witcher kind of is calling to me, I think a little bit stronger than Neo at sure. this time. Just, but I mean, I, I've heard weird, I've heard things that like Witcher, you need like 10 hours to even make a proper assessment of even the game you're playing. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I would uh, agree with that. I put probably thirty or forty into it and never finished it. I um the combat I found got a little mm-hmm. tedious and and just was like sloppy. And I was in Dark Souls at the time, so I was like, 
comparing the two and it, it didn't compare very favorably but the storytelling yeah, yeah, is yeah, very yeah. very very good like they it's that, better that, that's yeah yeah i was gonna say that that's that's my main like the fact that the the last like big game i played was the new god of war is really like it's dampening my experience with any of these third person kind of games because i was like a they don't look as good because god of war looks better than everything on the ps4 yeah and b like everything is so tight and like fluid and all that in the combat of god of war that you're like anything that's kind of like even momentarily clunky i'm like, like yeah yeah for sure just have that knee-jerk reaction but i mean like i said i, I think i'm probably probably most likely going to get into witcher i feel of the two that i was kind of messing around with like put a couple hours into both of them and i was like the story in witcher just seems to maybe I was like, well, there's like 100 hours there. And even just like I saw like the DLCs where they're like, this DLC is 20 hours of new content. And I was like, meh. Mm -hmm. Can't get mad at that. All of that talk made me just long for Bushido Blade. Oh, yeah. That, I was, I was also thinking of Bushido Blade. Bushido Blade on the original PlayStation, man, just the one-hit kills were perfect. Yep. Magical. And then also, also that they had the bamboo fight where you could have like, you could swing your sword, miss the guy, and then like, that split second hesitation later, and then you just heard like, and then like the bamboo thing like slowly like cut and slid downwards. Oh, way ahead <laughs> of its like time, that game. Oh man, you guys did. Uh, you guys must have been there for the occasional like Bushido Blade drinking party at Ronin's. Uh, we we did that at my place in the West Island. So mm -hmm. before I even met you, Keith, and we um. God, we we did it with like full shots, and what a disaster was that! <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I mean, like for one of the round last seven seconds, you could do you know how many shots in a minute? I don't know because of how many shots I did back then. It's just straight, straight up blackout drinking very yep. quickly. Yep. Yeah. Oh man! And then when you're playing the one player game, the boss with a gun shimming up. Hysterical, Shim. yeah. Shim. And you just run in tighter and tighter circles around him to get closer, and then you just stab him. Yep. It's, uh, but yeah. Also, oh man, this the hammer. The hammer had the the three quick like overhead attacks. Yep. yep. <laughs> that was. It just it, if you were playing against anyone who was not like very familiar with the game you would just be like here it comes one two three dead and there was one guy who had the special like his special move was with the hammer and he could do four in a row i don't know if you remember that there's like like every character so, yeah. had a specific weapon that they had a, a unique move with yeah and one of the guy. yeah and one of the guys could do one two one two with the hammer mm -hmm. nobody stops that nobody stops a giant hammer to their heads <laughs> uh, which i guess uh, is true like all of this all of this training that you have with the katana or whatever else like that and then there's just this big beefy dude with a sledgehammer coming at you you're like well there's just so much momentum on that hammer i don't like this <laughs> what are you gonna do with the katana scott what are you playing what am i playing yeah a lot of pokemon go okay <laughs> let me tell you something a game based on being social and walking around with other people Kind of being put through the ringer this time. <laughs> uh, they are giving out more free Pokeballs just for turning on Pokemon Go. Um, they're they're very aware that their game model requires breaking social distancing, so they're trying to mm -hmm. figure that out without just saying, "Give me money, I will give you more stuff." So they're being pretty cool about it. But um, 
Yeah. At this it's point, mostly because they don't want to bleed customers as people do, turn it off. Don't you kind of know where all the Pokestops are? Like you don't have a route that you go to to. If you're if you're battling legendaries, you need people there with you. You can't do it by yourself. Huh? How many people? Uh, four, if good players, six decent players, and it can be up to twenty if everyone wants to get in on the action. Hmm. Yeah, don't do that. Mm. I know. I, I mean, listening. the good thing is it's cold now, so a lot of players just show up in their cars, stay in there. <laughs> Boy, and the planet weeps. The <laughs> but uh, people you know, driving their cars to play Pokemon—that's that's something. I, I did a raid on the weekend where everyone was in their apartments across the street. Like the people who live there were just like, "Hey, there's a raid." I'm like, "Okay, I'll go stand outside." <laughs> that's the four funny. of us shall do this. The three in your family and me. I don't have a sidewalk by myself. That's dedication, this guy. I tip my hat to you for that. Man, sometimes you just need to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> Standing on the sidewalk in front of your front door. Not my front door. Someone else's front door. Right. <laughs> yeah, I will say that, I mean, well, John and I both have dogs. So yeah, yeah. The, the the walking the dog is like a highlight. <laughs> is it? I find it a little uncomfortable. People just cross on the sidewalk and, and don't maintain distance. Scream at them at the top of your lungs. So, um, blow a as, whistle at them. <laughs> as you guys, both, I mean, there, there is. I know we're not supposed to wear Stranger masks, danger. but I was like, there is a, there is a, uh, a remedy for that, and it's wearing a mask. Because Sarah put on her mask because uh, she had chickenpox, so was preventing her infectious disease <laughs> from spreading by wearing a mask, which is what the mask is for: is to keep your things Droplets. in. Yeah. But man, if you want to see people across the street, uh, walking around with a mask works, guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I did it last week, and people gave me stares like I was doing something wrong. Wearing the mask? Yep. Ah, well, did you cough a little? Play uh, well, I always cough a little. Asthma. There you go. That's it. A little bit of a cough and a mask? Man. Well, if you're displaying symptoms, you're supposed to be inside. You're not even supposed to go out for walks. That's right. true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sarah we're, back, has been... we're back on this quagmire again. Mm -hmm. I was going to say about Pokemon Go. Um, Sarah's playing Pokemon Go? Tell her dad. No, she, no, she is not. Uh, but I was listening to this podcast where they were talking about um, this weird little city in the middle of nowhere that got completely like overrun and ruined by Pokemon Go. <laughs> Wait, what? So um, because it's like a... It, so they, they took... They copy-pasted the map from... Uh, Ingress. Ingress. And Ingress had the feature where if you had, like, enough, like, Ingress jewels or points or whatever, you could actually make a, um, like, make, a, like, a, a landmark or whatever. Right. And all of the Pokestops just transported that data off. So a lot of times people would um, use their Ingress points to turn real landmarks into... Uh, into these whatever Ingress points things. Sometimes people would do cool graffiti things, which you kind of see in Pokemon every now and then, like, or whatever. They could do anything. And there was this one little town or whatever that apparently is, has like, is like famous for being like uh, the most like haunted town in wherever the heck it is. So the Ingress players there or whatever um, literally made every single house uh, a landmark almost <laughs> so it's like it's it's the most densely concentrated area of pokestops like in the world to That's the point 
to the point where people started visiting the town just for these poke stops because it was just copy paste the data over from Ingress. Like it doesn't that like the logic doesn't even transfer over. Like you can't do that in Pokemon. Right. <laughs> like it's the you can't change you can't move where the poke stops are. It's really just the fact that it's a copy paste of the Ingress map that there happened to be this like monster cluster. And it's like a it's it's like an exotic place with like a beach or whatever too, but it was like apparently the Mecca the town, for yeah, like the town mostly catered to like wealthy vacationers and stuff. And then all of a sudden people were just like spending, taking day trips there to just go on like super intense. Like you could just like, you can literally be walking and spinning Pokestops constantly. Like, that sounds without fun. Timing out. So. My, um, oh, did we lose John? No, no, no. I'm here. Oh, you're still there. Um. Yeah, my favorite Pokemon story is there's a town in the middle of the Mediterranean that's on an island mm-hmm. that the, the Pokemon and Ingress maps didn't map. So they think it's just um, water. So there's no Pokestops there. You can submit everything and they're just like, you can't put a Pokestop there. It's water. They're like, but it's our city. Oh, you can't. You just can't play on this. And it's been reported for like four years and they, Niantic hasn't fixed it yet. Mm. It's really like well, there's thousands of people who live here. No, no, that's 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 a scene. You clearly live in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon is not for you, ocean dwellers. What? That's great. Oh uh, man. Did you guys right. watch any new movies? Uh, new movies. Hmm. I'm going to pause I, this I, recording before we talk about movies. Yeah, what's right. going to happen? I don't know. There. Before we get into movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been remiss about uh, mentioning our Patreon uh, supporters who have sent us things that we should talk about. We right. should do that. Yeah, we should. We put it off for uh, a little while, and then... Uh, it's as good a time as any. Do, do you want to do it now? Uh, I think so. I think yeah. that, that makes sense. Um, I guess the first thing that we should do, uh, Jer um, asked us to take a look at Children of Morta. Yeah, which which we did, and which we are playing. But I guess that, and we were even uh, streaming on Twitch for the the couple people who went over and watched the the Twitch streams. John and I were playing through Children of Morta, and it's a lot of fun. But I mean, that kind of goes on hold because it's a uh, couch co op only. Yeah, but that was damn good fun. It was like yeah. very very simple little Diablo super light jump around the dungeon, mm-hmm. mash things up. Good fun. Mm-hmm. As as you're pointing out, I, I would I think it is a. A uh, correct observation that the gameplay loop is very similar to Diablo. <laughs> like, yeah, just no loot or much less loot. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It, watching uh, it made me think of a little bit of um, the other, the D and D one. Oh yeah, um, uh, Mistra, Children of Mistra, or no, no, the one I lost. The one you lost. The flaming skull guy. Who's your buddy? You play the guy that keeps dying and coming back. Oh, you mean um, torment? Torment. Yeah. Yeah, and the way and the way that you lost it, if I recall correctly, was by sitting on the skeleton king's throne. Yeah. Yeah. Like Children of Morta, watching you guys like over your shoulders, mm-hmm. made me think mm-hmm. of torment a little bit, and that like, well, we died, and now we have to start over. <laughs> kind of looping through it, but making it plot relevant. Like you didn't just die and it's game over, start from page one. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you lost, and then you're back to, you know, the morgue versus the the family's house, right? Hmm. And I was like, oh, it's kind of the same. I see that. It's a stretch, but I'll allow it. All right, whatever. Uh, I'm not the gaming expert, so. 
<laughs> I was going to say, but Jared did recommend a couple of uh, games for you, Scott. Yeah, but none of them are iOS-based, so I don't know how to play them. Are you sure? So, like, I feel Thomas Was Alone might be. Like the tank engine? No, Thomas Was Alone, uh, you're like a little square. Huh. Uh, no, it is. It's not. At least it's not an Android. You, you play like a, um, the Steam a like a tiny little square with like one move. Like you could just go forward, and then you find other like geometric shapes that have like other abilities, and then you kind of like chain them together. Almost, almost like uh, what do you call it? Three Vikings, hmm. but with like more more than three, and each shape can only do like the one thing. Yeah, even if I try to load Steam up on my PC, it takes like five minutes, and then basically looks at me with a cigarette in its mouth going what I'm like oh fuck my my computer is for browsing recording and and photoshop and that's that's pretty much it right now man you need a better computer yeah i do i think Jer also recommended me to play um one of the divinity games is that possible um yeah he said divinity by larian studios yes so uh, I got Divinity Original Sin was the actual recommendation, right? And and I I um it, I totally got I re-downloaded the second one because I had played the first one probably seventy five percent of the way through, and it's like it's a good recommendation. It did do super well. It's fun. I didn't find it compelling enough to stick with all the way to the end. Like the combat is incredibly elaborate and fun. It's a little like Final Fantasy Tactics in that okay. every character has abilities. But there's an even a deeper level. Like a lot of your abilities leave elemental stuff on the ground, and then all the other characters on the board can interact with the elemental stuff that's left behind. So there's like combos you can work together with your team really, really well. But um, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. There there's something about the storytelling was just like super generic o fantasy, and um, didn't grab me at all. And the second one was like I don't know. I, it didn't didn't work for me. I, I really, I really wanted to like it, Jer. I tried really hard, in it, and and it, it flopped. And it makes me a little sad, or uh, uh, sad. I don't know. Th- these are the guys who are working on the new Baldur's Gate, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. They might, um, they they had enough good stuff in there that I I'm, I remain optimistic for Baldur's Gate. But I would not say that uh, the Divinity games were like a guaranteed knockout of the park. They're very, uh, I don't know what the word is. Well, yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head if you're, like, generic-y. Like, there's been so many games where I just put down because I'm, like, whatever. This is, like, reading a, like, a second-ed fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Like, or, there, there's a lot of stuff where I of the Forgotten just... Realms. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of stuff I'll just immediately stop caring about very early on because I'm just sort of like, oh, this is just generic crap. Like, yeah. Hmm. Um, now, so now Jared, in, in their was... defenses, a lot of people adored them, so I might have missed the missed the plot on that one. Yeah, yeah, it is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you recognized uh, Children Mortal, which we are playing. Um, he also talked about uh, he kind of came off of my love for Hollow Knight, and mm-hmm. that, and Silk Song is not out yet, but it's coming. This is year. that a sequel? Yeah, yeah, dude. It's the uh, it's the sequel with uh, Hornet, like or awesome. apparently, and it's unclear, but it may happen even uh, simultaneously to Hollow Knight with like Hornet kind of coming in and out of the Hollow Knight story while she's in like another land. I think I actually read that, and that you you are gonna have like all the bo- the battles where you fight Hornet are gonna happen in the Hornet game, but you're playing her. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. That, that was that was something that was kind of talked about. Who knows what they're what they're going to play? Did, he, did he recommend uh, Hollow Knight? Well, no, but he 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 was that was his his starting point because he was trying to recommend us all, all games based yeah. on what he knew uh, about it. So he was saying. He was like, I'm not just going to recommend that you play the Hollow Knight expansion when it comes out. And I was like, yeah, that's it's a gimme. Like, yeah, I definitely for will. sure, for sure. Yeah, like I, I've I've talked about this. I think I've not, I don't know if I've mentioned this exactly on the podcast, but I was like, I am still. It's been a year since I beat Nightmare Grim, so it's a year after basically putting the game the game down, and I still have a strong urge to have a Hollow Knight inspired like tattoo somewhere on my body. So that might like really happen. Wow. Like that's a little more commitment to Hollow Knight than I think I would well, muster. It, it's it's not so much just the it, it, it's not just like I, the game or whatever, but I think it's like the art style. Yeah, uh, I I enjoy a lot, and I feel that there'd be like a kind of like a cool like montage of the characters with that art style that would look I feel cool as a piece, independent of it being Hollow Knight. Like it's <laughs> like I I like God of War a lot, but ain't no Kratos going on my body because that's a oh, dumb man. Thing to have a tattoo of. <laughs> but, but the art style of Hollow Knight I feel kind of lends itself like with like kind of just like a pure black and white tattoo with like the the shadows and like the various monsters and stuff yeah um, work something out that was something like, silhouette yeah exactly that's it something yeah. that I think would look like a cool enough tattoo even out of context uh, but yeah but and hot damn was it a good game so. yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. um Jer also uh, asked, um, hang on, uh, he was like, he, oh yeah, he wanted to ask us about the Children of Morta multiplayer experience, because he was, but he's like, but I understand that I will uh, have to wait until John, talk, John talks about Sex in the City 2, which was last episode. <laughs> um, yeah, multiplayer was super good. I, I think it would probably be a little boring playing it single player. I, f- yeah. I feel like they, they, the difficulty level of the game can only go so far when you're one character. You know, yeah. like the whole gameplay loop is going to be just like repeat, go back, attack, back up, attack, back up, attack until whatever. Whereas with two players, you actually can combo off of each other and, and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's it. I think, I think it'd be get, we could get real repetitious real fast playing at one player. I'm not yeah. saying it would necessarily be bad. I mean, I guess Jared would know better, but yeah. Yeah. Jared, if there's someone who can come to your house and play Children of Mortal, do it. Do it. I mean, I mean, when we, people can come to your house again. But <laughs> September or uh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whenever that is. Uh, which, I mean, also, in terms of things that can't happen right now, and um, because of <laughs> the thing, um, uh, Jer asked, <laughs> it's all Jer. This is the Jer episode, everybody. Um, went to I mean, if you feel bad about it being the, Hang on. If you feel bad about it being the Jer episode, there, there's a way you can get get your words all up in there. It's true. You can so. go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. There you go. Then, we did the thing. And then we, and we'll readjust our pricing and for, give you a COVID discount. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no, if you want to make us talk about your thing, that's that's how to do it. Um, so yeah, but he went to PAX East for the first time ever. Uh, and he was, God, <laughs> he when? said, assuming that cons still exist in the, uh, like post-apocalypse, I'd be very interested to hear a discussion about each of the different cons you guys have attended and how they were different, what you liked, disliked about each, uh, etc. I think Scott's probably done the most conventions. I don't know. You guys did some 
PAX stuff, right? We went to PAX four times. I think three times. I remember twice in Boston and once in San Antonio. I think you might have gone one of the uh, another year to Boston, and I wasn't there. Possibly, maybe. Because I only remember doing it once in the small venue and once in the big venue in Boston. Yeah. So, no. you, were, you were with me every time we went to Comic Con. Comic. Yeah, but you've you've been, you've been to the Montreal Comic Con. I've been to the Montreal one a bunch of times. Never done. Yeah, me neither. I did um I did Gen Con one time though. That was good fun. Mm. All right, so uh, I'll start. Um, we went to Fan Expo a few times. Yeah, two, three, at least, at least, at least two, maybe three mm-hmm. times. Uh, I really like Fan Expo as uh, a convention because it's multi-genre in a way that doesn't feel shoved right down your throat. Mm-hmm. In that it is a comic book and science fiction and horror movie uh, convention. And you're forgetting video games. There's a whole video, video game corner where they even have, uh, like, it's obviously not the level of packs, but there are, like, a couple developers on booths and whatever, and there's, like, game tournaments going on. And you also forgot all of the kids in brightly colored wigs standing outside because it's also an anime convention. That's true. It is an anime convention. Yeah, it's five. It's sci-fi, horror, comics, anime, video games all have representation. But I think, like, the big... The big money stuff is the ones you said, though. Sci-fi, horror, and uh, comics. comics. Those are, like, where the guests, most guests seem to come from. Yep. And, well, at least definitely the most guests that we frequented. I think there were a bunch of voice actor from anime panels that we skipped out on. It (laughs) was weird because they were, the fan bases really didn't overlap in a way that I probably wouldn't have expected the anime kids really stuck to themselves and yeah. didn't cross over much. Yeah, like horror, sci-fi, comics all kind of mingled. Yep. You know, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of like the stars and stuff kind of like if like Straczynski is doing a like he's, you know, doing a panel, he's comics and sci-fi and like sometimes like horror adjacent with some of his writing, you know, so it's like whereas anime is just kind of anime. And then also like also, most as you said, most of the like the panel guests for anime were voice actors, yeah. right? Which is I'm like, it's which is like I find such a weird thing because you're not like, yes, you're the voice that like embodied the role on the dub, but I'm like you're not even the original voice. Like, what are you didn't you at most were taking heavy heavy inspiration from someone else's like performance? Like, do I give a shit about your Q and A? Like, I mean, if you're a real fan, maybe you do. Maybe they yeah, brought something I, to it. They had a whole desk for like people doing signatures and stuff. David Carradine was there and I was like, Oh cool. Let's say hi. And he, he wanted like $50 for a signature. And I was like, nah. Oh yeah. They have, they, they have about that, that buddy. Too, the, yeah. the, the crazy autograph, expensive autograph nonsense. Yeah. That's like, a thing. Photos yeah. are a thing. Line up with, with stars and yeah. get a your, your, a your wife. Your wife paid good money to meet Bruce Campbell. It's true. Was it worth it? For her, it was. That was yeah. Like she her, said totally worth it. Her go-to in in the con was to go and meet Bruce Campbell, huh. and he was cool. And then we went to go see him and like have his panel at the big auditorium, and yeah. he like played the crowd. I can't uh, imagine really well. how like cringy the the like spineless sycophancy of the audience must have been. I can't stand that shit. He he was set to take down any of that. That's good. With his, with his Q&A stuff, he was just like... Yeah, he, like he, he was he, not he, pandering. In yeah, he flat way. out people are like, Ash or whatever else like that. And he was just sort of like, 
He's like, let's uh, let's put an end immediately to all the Ash versus whoever questions you're about to ask. Ash kicks. He's like, Ash kicks every. He kicks the ass of whoever you're about to say. Freddy, I can beat him. Like Jason, I can beat him. Optimus Prime, I can beat him. Darth Vader, I can beat him. Don't ask me that question. My answer is, I can beat him. Good like, stuff. Yeah. I was like, A plus. <laughs> Experience. Experience. Oh yeah. Well, def- you can't. You can't say that. There's plenty of more experienced con actors who go and who eat that shit up. Yeah, who but loves, he was like, experienced at handling the crowd and making it go in the direction that he wanted it to. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. Like I'm sure some people would, would love to have those. I mean, like, and and also like he's. It's bullshit. He couldn't beat up Optimus Prime, but like, that, that but was part of the humor. If you weren't one of those people getting shot down for that, exactly. But I'm like, but it's just like that will be my answer no matter what you say. <laughs> you know, like don't, I don't, don't care about time. that question. It's a dumb question. Um, like I think that's why they uh, at Fan Expo I went to uh, the the Roger Corman Q and A, which was like woefully uh, underattended. I believe because it went. At the same time as the Bruce Campbell one, actually, like I remember ducking out of yeah, the Bruce you Campbell. Yeah, snuck out. Or, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, 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 that's it. Because I was like, I'm like Bruce Campbell is one thing, but I'm like, and he's fun, but I'm going to go see Roger Corman for a big deal. And they had a full. He didn't really do a Q and A. I, in, it, I think that maybe there was some sort of a system set up that you could have like sent in written questions or something in advance because it was like a moderator who had like a list of questions who was then picking from the questions to ask him. Like it hmm. wasn't just like get in a line and ask. Cause I was like, I don't think they're going to waste like Roger Corman's old man time to just hear. Cause I I'm sure he would just be angry at half of the questions. <laughs> like, was he good? Did he have interesting things to say? Oh yeah. Roger Corman was like one of the best Q and A's. I mean, even though it wasn't a Q and A that you could get up and ask a question to, unless there was, like I said, I, there, he was pulling the questions from somewhere. So maybe like I said, there might have been a website or something you could have submitted them in advance. But, yeah, no, he was great. Like, he was just talking about, like, giving James Cameron his first movie uh, and or working it out in all the production studios and how quickly people would, like... Uh, he's, like, he would get requests, like, for sequels the Sunday after a movie came out. <laughs> like, because that was the kind of turnaround time they had because he was playing in, like, grindhouses and, uh, like drive-in movie theaters and all that stuff and he was like so he's like if a movie was big we would know we had a sequel by sunday and he's like pre-production would start on the monday like <laughs> i was like that's insane <laughs> like uh even gave ron ha- pardon me? that kind of stuff was like my favorite part of fan expo there were yeah. lots of panels going on all at the same time mm-hmm. and some of them were just no one wanted to or knew about them or could get to them and you had this great access to people yeah like well, alex Maleev, the, dude <laughs> alex Maleev, yeah he went to a, a q a that was supposed to be with brian michael bendis who couldn't make it across the border and then there was like six of us sitting there just watching him draw and shoot the shit and and tell it really candidly because he was so used to being next to his writer who answered all the questions mm-hmm. you you got to frame who these people are for the, the... alex Maleev is a comic book artist who um worked with Brian Michael Bendis famously on Daredevil in the early aughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also did a he also did a Batman run? Boss possibly, yep. possibly also with Bendis? Like No, Bendis was on at DC. 
Yeah. I, I, I know he's done a couple things with Bendis, but I know Spider he, he, did, he did a Batman and run. Avengers also, if you look stuff up... and a bunch of the big crossovers like uh, Secret War he worked on. He did He did the... Um... Did Alex believe do the Illuminati issue of the uh, of the Civil War? I think maybe like, he worked on a lot of the Civil War stuff. Yeah, he, also kind of noteworthy because he's one of like he's one of the more uh, artistic comic book artists. Like you can kind of like and, and he, it, he went to school in fine arts. Yeah, exactly. Not, like comic book art, he didn't get his job by going to conventions with his sketchbook. Yeah, his stuff doesn't look like Rob Liefeld. <laughs> it's a lot of painting, a lot of ink work, a lot of brushwork. Mm-hmm. Very cool looking stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we also cool... we also went to the Peter David Writing Workshop, which was amazing. Yeah, because again, there were like fifteen people there. To yeah, the Peter David one was very funny. <laughs> Keith, do you remember what Peter David said? Is the ultimate movie script the perfect movie script? Karate Kid, dude. The Karate Kid. The Karate Kid is the perfect example of a three-act structure. <laughs> explain. Well, explain explain the story of the Karate Kid, and you will see. Uh, I don't know if I've watched it since I was thirteen. Oh, New no. kid comes to town, meets girl, meets girl's boyfriends, conflict, training, conflict is resolved. Right, but isn't there a good analysis of this film that places the kid as the villain? Yes. yes. I mean, it's still a good three-act structure. Three-act structures don't necessarily need to be about heroes. Hmm. Introduction. <laughs> he's just sort of like he's like he's like exposition, set the scene, like act one. He's like that happens, and then he's just sort of like like set the stakes. And he's like, oh, he gets bullied, whatever. Raise the stakes. It's karate, and then he's like act three, like Denuma. Like it's right there. It's like bang, bang, bang. <laughs> All the exposition you need. Act two raises the stakes. Act three is your like climax. Fill for ninety minutes. Yeah, that all sounds pretty great. At Gen Con, I went to see a panel where one of the the great um, Dungeons and Dragons authors talked mm-hmm. about RPGs, and um, I was I left disappointed and saddened. He was awful. He talked about his. He like spent the whole time talking about old gaming stories from his table that made him sound like. Uh, just, you know, he, he went on this long rant But about the how... dungeon master forgot that I had prepared the potion of oblivion. My. Wasn't quite that bad, but it, it was more like t- talk, you know, talking about how people can bring role play into their characters at a D&D table and how if you're playing a barbarian, you don't just have to run around and smash things. You could have a reason why you want to smash things. Like it was like role playing 101 and the... I don't know, and he was so full of himself. I don't want to name drop who it was because I feel like I, I'm going to slag this guy un, unfairly. But I, like, I, I think I walked out about three quarters of the way through, just just sad. Oh man, yeah, that's a bummer. I also remember the takeaway from the Peter David panel, uh, where he was um, he, he was just sort of like he's like having a conversation with Alan Moore, and Alan Moore is like, I don't even know why DC publishes Watchmen anymore. Like, I wrote it for, like, a particular era, and that era is over. Like, the Cold War is done. Because you can print money with it? He's like, this comic is no longer relever. relevant. Why are people reading it, and why is DC still printing it? And he's like, <laughs> and he, 
Peter David's like, man, he's like, I like Alan. He's like, I like Alan more than most. Like, he's like, he's a weird guy. He's like, whatever else. But I'm just sort of like, I'm just looking at him and he's like, man, I would kill for literally one of the major studios to still be printing my comic almost like 40 years after the fact. And it's still in like a heavy print run. And he's, this guy's just bitching like, what's the point? And tragically as relevant today as it was when it was published. Yeah. But yeah, but, that, but that's what he was saying. Is he's like, apparently, like, Alan Moore is straight up, like, he's like, I write a thing and it's gone. <laughs> like, it's for that moment. DC is wasting people's time by reprinting it. I was like, the guy doesn't even value, I guess, his own art in that sense, right? Where he's like, he's not trying to make something timeless in a, a weird way. <laughs> like, he's like, I think he just really, good, like, maybe he really got into the medium of comic books and, like, the the urgency and, like, disposableness of them. And now he finds it weird that trade paperbacks are a thing. And, John, back to your point about meeting someone who you were just super disappointed by. Yeah. Uh, we went to a panel of Marvel artists, and one of the artists there was Gabriel Dallotto, mm-hmm. who's a cover artist and painter. And every question he was asked, he was like, I don't know, and I don't care, and I don't read the comic books. I have no idea what happens in the scripts. I, I read them only to do my art, and then I move on from them. I get comps, and I don't even open the packages because I don't care what the script says. He's a jobber. And, and I'm like, okay, but then why did you fly to Toronto and agree to sit on this panel to talk about comic books? Oh, man, it was totally a contractual obligation. Oh, 100%. You, 100%. Nobody wants to go and do this shit. And then he's like, all right, it's my turn. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest. Wasn't that Marco Jurjevic, though? Was it Jurjevic or was it Delato? I don't know. I just, but I remember Jurjevic doing a similar shtick, but in a very fun way. <laughs> like I just remembered really enjoying it. He's like, I don't know. He's like, don't ask me about Thor. I don't know what's going on, Thor. But then when people started asking him about art, he got into it. So if Delato stayed, oh, no, you're right. It was Jurjevic. But yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but not, yeah. not Gabriel Delato. It was Marco Jurjevic. Yeah, very but, similar but, art styles. But yeah, but once people started asking him about actual art, like, because he gave that best, he gave one of my, like, favorite stories about George Lucas, where he was, like, he was a um, a concept artist for Star Wars, and he was, like, how it works when you're a concept artist in Star Wars is you draw exactly what they say to you to draw, and then uh, they put up these, they make these rooms where it's just basically, like, floor-to-ceilings concept art of everything, like, every character, every background character, every, everything, and then every George costume, just roll- every set, every background. Yeah. Lucas yeah. walks in and is like, "Yes, no, yes, no." Well, he has a little stamp, so he walks in and he stamps the pictures that he wants. Then some intern or whatever goes and then gathers up all of the stamped ones and then pres- brings them to George's desk so that he can like better, I guess, like ponder them. Ponder them, and then he comes back with these like either either nothing comes back and you're just like it's fine or he comes back with these notes and he was just sort of like i spent an entire week drawing the exact same character with continual notes from george lucas to change his boots they're like all buckles done so it's drawing the entire thing because it's like they it was he demanded it to be like hand art so he's like it couldn't be done like with cg where you just change the boots and keep the rest of it so he's like i had to draw the exact same guy changing nothing about him except the boots where he's like now it's all buckles Next, and you just send it away and you don't actually get any feedback until George does this whole long, lengthy process. And then you just get a note being like, laces? And then you're like, all right. <laughs> and you draw the same dude with laces. And then you're like, next day, half laces, buckles on top. 
Well, you know, the, the reward is in the output, you know. Episode one, two, three, masterpieces all. You can't argue with the method. I know. But, I was but he like, would get but... questions like, man, when you drew Thor and you made this decision, like, why did you make that decision? I have no idea. He's like, I thought it looked cool. <laughs> like, okay, but like, did you ever look at any? No, I never read Thor before. Were you influenced by this? No. Oh. Yeah, sort of like, like, <laughs> yeah, but I guess as as a not comic book guy, I just thought that was hilarious. Like people were just sort of like, oh, like blah 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 blah. Like what was what was the, the inspiration? He was like, I don't know. He's angry at his girlfriend or something. <laughs> it, was, it was brutal. It was like you drew these comics. I'm not even talking about stuff you didn't work on. Like, oh. He also, so, he's like, he's like, yeah. yeah, he gets like the five or six issues or whatever. He gets like, he gets like a stack of free comics of every comic that he draws. And he's like, I just give them out to the kids in my neighborhood. I never look at them. So the Gen Con that I went to was the launch for the new World of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, so like White Wolf had like a huge desk, huge presence. They put extra money into their, um, their games. And there was an enormous Camarilla game that was played. And there was a bunch of us who showed up and like we didn't have characters and they had NPCs for us to play. So so you just kind of like got dropped in. You ha- you knew ab- like in the package you got your character knows a bunch of people who are in the game and your job was to just kind of show up and, and deliver plot lines. And I was in a line picking up one of these guys and the guy next to me was like, oh, yeah, I, I DM a game in um, in um, Detroit and I'm kind of doing the same thing. So we got characters that were linked and we hung out for the whole night. And mm-hmm. we ended up um, – we, we had a lot of fun. Like the, the, the play was really good. The characters were good. And it was really fun to, to bring um, to bring these storylines to bear. And then maybe three-quarters of the way through the night, like a gigantic multi-person combat broke out in the middle of the Elysium. And, um, and it was like Gross. the whole game shut down, right, because there's like 60 players there. And everybody had to get involved in this big combat. And the way they were doing initiative was that you added up your strength – uh, your intelligence, your, sorry, your physical and your mental traits, right? right? And and then they go down the numbers, counting it from 50 down, and then if you had that number, that was when you acted, okay? And some people were there, and they started bidding in the 40s, and me and the guy looked at each other, and we're like, go back in your head and imagine playing a vampire game where somebody could bid 40 traits when you added your yep. physical, whatever. So you're like third gen or some stupid shit is going on. Anyway, we looked at each other as soon as those numbers came out and we were like, fuck this. Yep. We just turned around and walked out and we had a really good time. We like chatted about our games. He told me <laughs> never, ever, ever to go to Detroit because it's, it's a crazy place. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was nice. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's where LARPs really, really fall apart. Yeah. Yep. Combat. Nope. Nobody wants to play rock, paper, scissors all night. Also, I mean, and not not for nothing, but I I, I don't. Uh, and I was gonna say I would like hold the I would hold the GM crew responsible, except for the fact that I know that they would like face so much vitriol if they did this. But literally, when this broke out, I would be like, okay, so um, vampires who are third or fourth gen, uh, what happens here? Because no one else matters in this. Yeah. You know, it would be it would become a four or five person combat. Well, real quick. I suspect yeah. that, that the characters who are involved had like, a, you know, I, I think it was like a big, important event in the Camarilla, you know, so there was probably good reason for it. But as oh, a sure. as a like as a filler type of character, man, did, did, did that not look fun? No, but I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just saying, but it's one of those things that as a player, I would like fully like while you kind of dictate like here's here's the way I, I would gm it i guess in a, in a perfect scenario and mm-hmm. i know that a million players would hate this but i'm like it would essentially almost become like a quick time event 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like where instead of it being a full combat, it's like these the top guys are calling the shots because they're gonna you know like if some if someone's sitting there throwing around, it's getting a real real dork, but like. Say there's like a, a third gen or a fourth gen, uh, like Lasombra throwing around like that level of obtenuation. Like, yeah, no, there's just shadow tentacles all over the goddamn place. What do you do? And you're like, you'd have like a simple choice of like, I run or I stand and fight. Okay, cool. And then maybe like a test or two, and then your guy either like gets dead or. So having comes been out, a like, DM it, for games yeah. like that or a storyteller in games like that, it is not possible, and you have to do the long shitty combat because every the players are all invested. If they choose to die, they need to they need to face the music and die appropriately for the system. And there are people who they fucking love it. They just want to go and play rock, paper, scissors and lose and die. And, oh, and that, you, that's what I said. I, said. I don't actually hold this against the GMs because I know the players want, some players want this. Yeah. But like, it just, it's, as someone who likes roleplay, like, I don't mind just giving, like, in a combat situation like that, and I mean, and again, this would be like a lot of forethought, but like, just like kind of coming up with like almost choose your own adventure versions for the like low, like the neonates. You know, yep. like not yep. not necessarily to remove all agency, but like you just get like a kind of like a series of choices that you make, like press X now or like like turn left, turn right, go up, go down, you know, like just like quick kind of stuff to get them through. And I know that, like I said, a million players would be like, nah, I could have beaten him in rock, paper, scissors or whatever the fuck. But like you probably could have. There was there were players at the old game who always threw the same thing. And then you could have neonates who would go and win all the time because so and so always throws rock. It was well I, I known. It's hysterical. I, was, I love that story. I, I played a ghoul for a long time in that game, dude. I'm, I'm very aware of it. You can, you can outtest vampires like if, it, if the vampire player is kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I guess we're not talking about movies, huh? I mean, we are talking about cons. Uh, I was going to say that we should probably put a, just a, a pin in the con talk to the fact that we did go to PAX and um, at least PAX East, I found the lineups were too long for games and there were a couple of cool panels uh, but nothing yeah. super stand out uh, PAX South Hold on, hold on, on hold on, hand, the music was pretty good Remember? Oh yeah, the concert... no, but not as good as PAX South yeah. I'm kind of, they're all bleeding together for me Oh, no, that's true. Pa- well, Pack South had the... Um, Robobots? Not the Robobots. The, lol. Um, Protoman. <laughs> Protoman. We, we, pa- we saw them in Pax East and Pax South. Yeah, yeah. And then, but also, if you recall, the opener for the Protoman in uh, Pax South were was the dudes who played Mega Man Live while a guy played. Oh yeah, that was super awesome. Which was very cool, and yeah. also, but also, Pax East had had uh, Metroid MC Metal, Front was... a lot. Metroid Metal, Metroid Metal was a good show. Those those yeah. guys were fun. And um, oh, why am I blanking on their name? Let's talk more rock. Those guys. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't see them at Pax, right? They played across the street because yeah, they're from Boston. The oh, what was what's what's the name of that band? Uh, Freeze Pop. Freeze Pop. Yeah. The developers yeah. to put their own music into Guitar Hero. Yeah. Correct. And then they're a fun little band. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Let's talk more rock is a great song. Yeah. It still comes up on my 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 iPhone every now and then. Just like, mm-hmm. uh, all right. Uh, the Montreal Comic Con is the place to go if you want to take pictures with celebrities. That's mm. that's it. That's where that's what it is. Mm. You go spend $50 to take a picture with Stephen Amell. Who? 
the guy. <laughs> Wait, John, do you actually not know who Stephen Amell is, or is, is this just like a great, great joke? No. What's Stephen Amell? Stephen Amell plays Rhodes Arrow in the to... Arrowverse, the show that Scott has been talking about for the duration of this <laughs> podcast for 200 episodes. He's also in Cody Rhodes' Entourage. That is true. That is true. He's, 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 he's a, a member of the Knight family. family. Huh. Oh, man. All right. We got to get to um, giving Keith a movie. Yeah. You are, I was going to say, are we going to give me a movie or are we going to talk about robots? But Way more important for you to have a movie. Quick yeah, pause. you're stuck in your house. You got to watch this over and over again. Yeah, that's true. Hang on, quick pause. That was how I rolled. So what we're saying here is that it's more important to assign a bad movie to me than it is much a great to a great movie for talk about Keith. robots. Yeah. Yeah. the greatest yeah. you might even say of all time. A great movie. Greatest story ever told. What? The life of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm sorry. I went. I went back to my religious upbringing there, guys. Um, so, yeah. Uh, are we gonna do like I the mean, trivia thing? Are you guys? Yeah. Good luck with that. You guys have trivia to try to get. Oh, yeah. I, it? the, it's a, the director is uncredited because he wouldn't put his own name on the movie. I don't know that you're gonna you're gonna be able to pick anything out. Oh wow. But, is it something I can find though? Like, I mean, like I know, like we've we've talked about like some obscure nonsense every now and then. Like, is this is this? Oh, I'm sure there's a way. Yeah. Purchase. It might, it might even be available for download on some of the free streaming services, like like yeah. your Roku TV or whatever. Okay. Um, it's in your genre. Okay. Oh, no, is it's, it, is, uh, we I mean, we okay, talked whatever. about a bunch of bad there, movies there. that were like outside this. of genres you would normally explore, and we thought mm-hmm. like we've given you a bunch of weird rom coms. Okay. And, and racist my my analog. top pick i have to say my top pick was a uh a I mean, mostly racist. by andy warhol called empire have you heard about this that's correct that's oh, okay. right but i that's felt like i really like, wanted eight hours of the empire State State 12 hours or like 20 hours something boring but but we're gonna do this that is a little more, I mean, bit more entertaining i wanted to lean more into race because my top pick was white girls and i was like mm, maybe not this time mm-hmm. um are we I mean, I, again, still probably less offensive than uh, <laughs> Leonard Part. I really did think you were going to say Soul Man. You thought I was going to say Soul Man, but no, we, we Leonard Part. We spun back six. around into the uh, horror genre. That's <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. And even more so into another yeah. genre of movie that you do like, the okay. found footage movie. Mm-hmm. And this is made at the peak of found Earth footage found knockoffs. Footage. So uh, 2009, we're going to narrow it nice and down. Um, several sequels. Okay. Did it? Yep. Yep. It launched sequels. I think. Uh, Maybe not. Okay. No, no, no. I mean, this the series that this is a knockoff of has a bunch of sequels. I'm not sure that the knockoff got sequels. In I fact, I'd be pretty knockoff. pretty surprised. It's actually well, a knockoff of a knockoff. Is it a knockoff of the Blair Witch? So, what's the main knockoff of the Blair Witch? A knockoff of the a knockoff of. No, 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 no. That's in, that's in, that's in canon, yo. <laughs> yeah, totally. Is it? Because <laughs> the Blair Witch reboot seems to... I feel like there was a reference ever it. so vaguely to the um, to the uh, the house, but I'm not sure. Anyway, 
I don't know that we're actually going to be able to narrow this down for you in a way that will get you to get it because you've probably never heard of it. One of the first movies that uh, that Keith put on the list was um, one of the Paranormal um, Activity movies. And you talked it up. Uh, This one is called Paranormal Activity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghost Dimensions. Oh, okay. So I guess, yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's not a knockoff of the Blair Witch. Well, Paranormal Activity is kind of a knockoff of the Blair Witch. Outdoorsy stuff, but. Well, I'm, except, see, this is where, as a uh-huh. found footage aficionado, I would beg to differ because of the fact that most of the paranormal activity film takes place with the stationary camera that they've set up to try to capture a ghost, whereas most of the Blair Witch camera is, like, them running around. I will consider those hairs so split. It's, like, it's even, like, framed differently. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So, you know, it is definitely a found footage film, but it, it but it's, like, using... The, it's like it's even in even in the realm of found footage, it's like found footage stationary it's, cam. It's directed by footage running around. It's directed by Shane. Van okay, Dyke. so yeah, Paranormal Entity. You that might know dumb. from his other work, including Titanic Two, The Chernobyl Diaries, and The Silence, that Netflix knockoff of uh-huh. uh, of the uh, John Krasinski movie. Entity. Oh, there you go. And I was like, is this an asylum film? And I just Googled it. It's an asylum film. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I will obviously watch it as as it is the assignment, but I was like, I feel that asylum films are almost off. The list. off uh, because? Are almost out of bounds. Because they're just, like, it's the guys that made Sharknado and stuff, where it's like their entire business model is like mockbuster, weird, bad ripoffs of things to try to, like trick people into buying yeah. them at yeah that's exactly what this is yeah, yeah. Like, I mean we nailed it right on the head the main IMDB user review is like yeah, turned but, but, it off in five minutes exactly the plot keywords on IMDB are evil evil <laughs> force supernatural rape and nudity mm-hmm. nice uh, so they've been sued twice rightly so uh, the asylum people uh, in May 2012, which, which is shocking that because I think it would be like more because like for instance, not sued um, <laughs> was their film The Transmorphers. I think I think what's happened is that Hollywood <laughs> is avoiding the Streisand effect on these guys. You know, they're like if you just don't talk to them, maybe they'll go away. Yeah, um, I actually watched um, Atlantic Rim. Yeah. The, um, the MST3K version that they put on okay. uh, on Netflix. It, it was funny as hell, but you could tell the underlying material was absolute dog yeah. shit. God, the fact that they rented out so many... So The fact that uh, they David rented Michael out so Latt, many like, was... office buildings to substitute as military control yeah, centers. It's so bad. <laughs> so, yeah, David Michael Latt, who is a founder of Asylum Films talking about transmorphers says i'm not trying to dupe anybody i'm just trying to get my films watched other people do (laughs) tie-ins all the time they're just better at being subtle about it (laughs) another studio might make a giant robot movie that ties into transmorphers and release it and call it robot wars or something we're just gonna call ours transmorphers Oh man! So the Twentieth um, Century Fox threatened legal action, but did not file legal action uh, aside, against asylum <laughs> over uh, the day the Earth stopped. 
Man, I have I have that robot on my <laughs> list. Obviously. Um, and his name is Gort, and the original movie was actually way better <laughs> than it gets credit for. But we'll, uh, we're going to come to that another time. Oh. Yeah. We'll come come to robots next next one, dude. I I was talking to Scott before we press record. We're oh, we're gonna skip robots. I have I have a bunch Scott of robots. Didn't properly I, prepare, but also I, like it's my hard. my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll get it. anyway. We'll, we'll talk about our next episode for sure. Uh, but yeah, pre- at present, my list has like ten that I'm like genuinely feel could. I don't feel like there's like standouts the it's that like it's, are it's way 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 ahead. Like there's maybe. There's a few that are like obvious picks, but you could probably argue them off despite them being stand-ups, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, stay tuned in two weeks when we when we talk about that. Uh, but yeah, no, I wanted yep. to... So the other the other um, lawsuits that got filed against these guys, um, they American called their battleship... No, it's American warships. American battleship. Oh. They changed the title to American Warships after you know that when Universal Pictures filed a lawsuit. The, um, the, the like description of it was like started off with, "This movie is not to be confused with Battleship. It is blah 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 blah." <laughs> what was it called? Probably as a result, what was of it the called lawsuit, originally, sir? I'm sure. Um, okay. It was originally called American Battleship, huh? And then they changed it to American Warships. Uh, in 2013, um, Warner Brothers, New Line Cinema, and MGM, uh, and Hobbit producer Saul Zantz, uh, commenced legal action against the Asylum <laughs> for their film, Age of the Hobbits, which they later changed the name to Lord of the Elves, uh, claiming that they were free-riding on the worldwide, obviously, promotional campaign for Peter Jackson's forthcoming films. The Asylum claimed its movie is legally sound because its hobbits are not based on the <laughs> Tolkien creations. Wow. <laughs> we have another creature called Hobbit, and they're different. Oh, my God. But I need to know, what are their hobbits based on? <laughs> okay, so the film... Okay, wow. So it was originally... Oh, man, this is... How far does this rabbit hole go? So it was originally called... What did we just say? Uh, it was originally called Age of the Hobbits. Then it was later called Lord of the Elves. Then I guess that was too derivative, so it's been rebranded to Clash of the Empires. In one sentence, Fantasy tell me what you think this movie fighting is each about. Other? Um, medieval zombie Okay, invasion. wrong. Scott... Also wrong. The film is about a prehistoric tr- struggle between a community of Homo floresiensis, known as hobbits, and their brutal oppressors, Sorry. the Java Man. <laughs> the hobbits ally with the early humans against the Javas. According to Asylum, in an ancient age, the small, peace-loving hobbits are enslaved <laughs> by the Java Man, a race of flesh-eating dragon riders. The young hobbit, Gobin, must join forces with their neighbor giants, the humans, Magical. to free his people and vanquish their enemies. They have a, a, a uh-huh. brand new ripoff of the new Pixar movie, Onward. It's called Homeward, and it's starring Joey Lawrence and Tom Green. Wow. In 2020, if those are the those are the headline cast wow. for the the movie that has come out last month. <laughs> Joey Lawrence, Tom Green. Also, so in February. 
In February 2015, they signed a deal with uh, Cinedime Corporation, and the deal was to make 12 films <laughs> over a period of three Amazing. years. <laughs> Four movies a year. And Roger Corman, these guys I mean, are not. But I they guess they're, they're following in his footsteps. Uh, I know they're trying. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. In many ways, but again, but that, I think that was the whole, the difference, right? That, that's what I was saying where I was like, it's why I would almost kind of like disclude, um, disclude the Asylum film from, from other entries is because like they're, they're just profiteering where it was like Roger Corbin, especially after kind of like going to the QA, Q&A and stuff, he's like, absolutely, we're trying to make movies to sell. But like, as a result, he's like, I was able to keep like give guys like Ron Howard a directing shot at a weird slash film. And he was like, can I do this? Can I do that? And I was like, yeah, you can do whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, so he's like giving guys like Ron Howard and James Cameron and stuff carte blanche to do whatever, as long as there's like a little bit of violence and a monster is very different. Well, I'll from, tell you what, Keith, I feel like, you you're know, making judging Lord before of the witnessing here. So if you want to introduce this rule, if you want to introduce this rule after you watch I've the seen movie, you take films. it under consideration. But uh, too bad. You're watching Paranormal mm, Entity. Or... You can come back and talk about it and say it doesn't, it doesn't get yeah, ranked. Yeah, I know, but I just, I just got... Movie. Yep. After you watch it. I just also got... I just got extra upset because um, The Asylum released a straight-to-video... Uh, film Ooh. in 2008 called Death Ripping Racers. Ripping off Roger Corman? That's amazing. And I was like, what are you even doing? <laughs> no, but like Death Racers is well, all How low can they go? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm surprised you guys didn't give me Death Racers, actually. Yes, that, that might actually have some camera work angry. involved, and this one definitely <laughs> doesn't. I don't know if I want you angry. I think I want you I mean, sad. It, oh, hang on. Whoa, I feel like this guys, movie might have been Death Racers. Phone. Dude. <laughs> Dude. I, I can understand why you skipped over Death Racers because I just read uh, that the film. Oh my god. No, you're, someone you're is watching, watching Death it right Racers. After you watch I don't even care. Entity. Is, so. <laughs> I mean, I might just watch it on my own. So, anyway, uh, the oh. film stars the hip hop group Insane Clown Posse and wrestler, and wrestler Raven. go oh my god how do we oh hang on the insane clown posse who's violent and this is this is they are in the film as themselves so it's like the teams of racers are the severed head gang homeland security vagina mite and the insane clown posse i'm sure so uh in the in the i guess I believe it's now shared universe with the ICP verse. I think uh, so. Their their team is the violent. The team's violent form of hip hop was attributed as indirectly influencing multiple murders, acts of Ooh. terrorism, and a school massacre. Resulted in the rappers themselves being convicted for these murders, and being dubbed as the Charles Manson of their time. The group's music has been banned, continues to retain a strong fan base. Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope are given an ice cream truck customized with a meat grinder, machine guns, and all the bling bling these two uh-huh. Detroit locals Sounds can find. Sounds terrible. 
Well, enjoy them both then, Keith. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to hear you talk about them. I've... I was like, this, this, like, this film, I feel, has, like, not Paranormal Entity, which I will obviously have a full report on shortly, but this Death Racers film has, like, I feel like 95 Movie Club potential. Because of Ra- the, Raven the wrestling and the ICP and Raven the death race. Counts it's like wrestling. three ingredients that I feel. Ooh. Yeah, but ICP is also wrestling adjacent. You know? Hang on. Is I want to see if there are other wrestlers involved. <laughs> is it though? No, sadly. Oh, man. It is a little sad. <laughs> The film's soundtrack featured original music by Joseph Camilla, in addition to previously released music by Insane Clown Posse. Insane Clown Posse couldn't come up with an original track for a movie starring them. At the gathering of the Juggalos... Hang on. Violent J referred to Death Racers as a terribly shitty movie. A vehicle for his own. (laughs) The star of the film, everybody but states that he does not regret making this film because it inspired him to continue with the production of Big Money Rustlers because he felt that Psychopath could make a better film than Death Racers. At a 2008 gathering of the Juggalos, Violent J referred to the film as the bootleg rip-off fake version of Death Race. Did you not know this when you were making it, Violent J? What the hell? Oh my god. Uh... I was, but um, on that topic of, uh, what's that thing I'm thinking of? The 9 to 5 Movie Club. Uh, there's various like screen sharing apps and crap where it's like one of us can watch it mm-hmm. and then it shares the screen with everybody. We could maybe work something out like that so that we can have a perfectly synced up movie and kind of a shared experience maybe on like a, a bridge of some kind and then do yeah. a thing about it. I think it'd be fun because I mean, we're not I'm doing a lot. super busy all the time. I, so this has changed nothing for me. In terms of work. In fact, I have more work than normal. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. mm. I, I am. But I mean, but you're home in the evening, Scott. With my family, who have been home alone with each other all day long. Archer is basically, this weekend, turned mm. into a wolf. And by that, I mean, imagine you see a wolf outside, and you're like, hey, oh. that's a wolf. I'm going to take him inside and keep him there. And that's 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 what happened with my kid, because we took him out yeah. of the house to go for a walk around the neighborhood a little bit, and like a wolf, he took off sprinting down the mm-hmm. block, nearly running right over people. <laughs> After <laughs> there he goes, like just melting down inside the, the house all the time. Oh man! So my job, uh, my job involves a lot like a lot of meetings like i'm i'm easily like 50 percent conference calls like 20 of my 40 hours a week are, are either well now they're all conference calls but they're either meetings in meeting rooms or conference calls and like i don't think i've ever been so um fulfilled by my decision to not have children as i have been jumping on hours and hours of conference calls with people who are locked in their house with their children. It's just like, as soon as a person unmutes, you just hear like screaming insanity in the background, like again and again, different people, different kids. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like one of my poor colleagues, just, um, his, um, he has two kids and his, his wife works in, uh, in the medical 
field as well. So she's, I think, on like maybe like a clinic that's winding down or whatever, because apparently she's only going in like two or three days a week or whatever. So he, he's like, but that's still a good like two or three days of the week where he's like, I am now expected to work eight hours a day and be the only parent of two kids that are like yeah, have two, under said, seven years with old. Each other, they said that's not true. <laughs> that's not a thing. Nope. Yeah, just like in in the midst of a conference call, he's just like blah 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 blah, like numbers numbers numbers. And no 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 yeah, there's oh, it's everywhere. And then it's like mutes. <laughs> and then he comes back on. He's just sort of like, yeah, my kid just spilled juice all over my computer and everything else. It's a good time. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Oh, like. I think this is like tr- like tr- trying and troubling for for everybody, but holy crap, the people working from home with multiple kids. Whew. Yeah, yeah, sounds rough. Um, uh, closing. We should thoughts. try and do another John. one if there's time. You know, like on the weekend or something when we're bored and stuck in the house. It's good to stay social in this time. You know. As I was saying, I think that like I was like, if we could do a movie club where we can kind of watch the same movie yeah. and possibly be like kind of chit chatting as the movie. We could even goes, stream that on Twitch or something. I feel and, that that's and a good couple a hours. I mean, I know. No, not the film, but yeah. I don't know if we could stream the film. Well, like, we uh, could maybe stream us watching the film. Two three K. Yeah, <laughs> sort of. Uh, that's a lot of work. Except we're not funny. Sure. So. I, I've, I've been I've been messing around uh, with a bunch of those different things. I'll, I'll send out a couple of Wait, my hurt. of my findings because we've been uh, the uh, the Montreal comedians and myself have oh, been God. trying to figure out how we're going to. Are, watch they, are they even doing it? Like AW, they won't. A, they're going to cancel everything. As a shared experience. Stopped. Right. You can't have that many yeah. people in the building anymore. Like AW canceled Blood and Guts. <sighs> Well, they can't. They canceled Blood and Guts. They didn't cancel uh, Dynamite. They're 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 still they can't apparently have the going to be doing Dynamite. They, just, they, the they canceled together. their big heavy showy. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So appar- apparently, the, the the talk is that it's WrestleMania. Unless I mean, obviously, by the time Thursday comes along, this might be different. But as it is right now, it's going to be over the course of two nights, filmed in live from the Performance Center, hosted by Gronk. Okay. Because of course it is. Um and then um uh and yeah, that's it. And it's like they're they're I guess due to some sort of nepotism and favoritism is whatever, is that they're gonna have like the entire roster is gonna be like tested okay. in quarantine Still, before any matches are uh, official. If you guys haven't seen so AEW's Dynamite from March eighteenth, it is it's must watch wrestling. I did. I watched. I watched. Nope. If if you like wrestling, I you mean, should watch not, that I one. I don't think John would watch that it, one show but... because the way they handled wrestling in front of no crowd was amazing. They got a bunch of of wrestlers to sit outside yeah, the, the ring to be like the audience, kind of like in a Fight Club atmosphere. But they had all the faces on one side and all the heels on the other side, just yelling at the ring like, "Hit him! Take him down!" Like, "Oh no! Get out of the way!" It's amazing. Yeah. And, and Orange see, Cassidy was um, famously, uh, like his whole character is being too cool for school and not caring, comes out to do um, color commentary, walks out, sits at, at the table, puts the headphones on, doesn't say anything for the whole match. It's so good. 
<laughs> falls asleep at one point, but then but then wakes up yep. to do the like the lazy dive to to make the save, Slouches and then goes again. back so to his good. chair and sits down and says nothing again. Jericho's color commentary so was great. In oh, a way, God. I wasn't even expecting. He was, he was like almost demure. Scott, I'm gonna. Hang are, on. are we losing the thread here? Let me just. Is it here? Is it? I don't no, know no, what no, you're no, talking about. I can't. Oh, I can't find it. Oh, Scott, I'm gonna try to find you a clip. This will be this is the end of NES, but there's a clip of uh, uh, Joey Janelle. Joey Janela competed <laughs> an entire match at social distancing. <laughs> so it's the guys just like missing each other by three feet, but still like selling every move, and then just like they lie down like on the mat, and the guy is like on his back, and like the ref counts one, two, That's and then the guy just kicks up off of nothing, and the guy flies up. <laughs> I was like, oh, you guys are the best. But yeah. Anyway, every wrestler in the world is going to have COVID-19, basically. Because wrestling apparently hasn't stopped. Uh, this is the 90s. I mean, yeah. Tell us, go, tell us what to watch and do, anybody. Bye! Listen, man, we all know that you pressed stop on your podcast player like 30 seconds ago as soon as you heard the outro music and the only reason you're possibly listening to this is because you're like jogging or something and your phone is in your pocket and you can't stop me from talking uh i'll keep this short and sweet uh we put in a lot of work on this website uh if you do want to support us financially we're kind of reworking the whole structure over there but if you do want to support us financially you can head to patreon.com slash nine to five cc um and if you don't want to support us financially maybe you could just tell your friends about the show and if you don't want to support us at all i don't even know how you're possibly listening to this at the end of that episode Bye. 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.